Thank you, Elder Randy. And uh, yeah, I, I, I thought, wow, what a unique service today. We, um, I opened up with Psalm 100, not realizing that Ryan and Patty were also leading and praying over the worship team, Psalm 100. So I thought, wow, that's, that's uh, interesting, yeah. And, uh, and then on top of that, our Torah portion today, and this whole issue of transferring authority and spreading authority out in order to bring order uh, to the community of Israel and, and, and blessing. Uh, and we're in the midst of doing that in our service today with Donna Ware, as she is licensed as a minister in our congregation. And so just watching all of this kind of come together today with the Torah portion and our worship services. Uh, certainly exciting, just have that sense that God is in the mix, and that is always truly uh, a blessing. So today's uh, message I've entitled, Bringing Order and Blessing into Local Churches. So through order and purpose, God brings blessing into creation. He orders creation. We see that in Genesis chapter 1. He takes and he creates out of nothing everything, and then he organizes, he, he orders it, he purposes it, and fills it with blessing as a result. This is also true for Israel, who is in fact the Lord's congregation. Israel is the congregation of the Lord. This is probably the single most misunderstood thing in the church today. It's, it's who, who's the church, Right. And uh, I, I want to make it clear that within our particular understanding, we believe Israel is the congregation of the Lord, is the church in the wilderness, as we're told in Acts, of course, the church that Moses led. In fact, the word for, for God's people that's used for God's people, there, there's a number of terms that are used, but one of them is the kahal. That's the congregation of the Lord the ones he called out of Egypt. Well, when the Greek, when the Jewish people translated the Jewish scriptures from Hebrew to Greek for Jews in Alexandria, guess what word, which Greek word they used to translate kahal over a hundred times in relationship to Israel being the congregation of the Lord. They chose the word ecclesia or ecclesia from which we get our English word, church, the congregation of the Lord. So we believe that Israel is, in fact, the congregation of the Lord. Jesus says, I've come, the Jewish Messiah, he says, I've come to build up my church, Israel, who had fallen away in apostasy. He said, well, what about the Gentiles? They get grafted into the church of Israel that Jesus is building up and restoring. It is so powerful, so, so beautiful when you think about it. It turns everything upside down. Actually, it brings back into perspective that which was always true. And so God is, for Israel, bringing order and purpose and blessing into his people. That includes us. Every local community of Messiah is a local manifestation of the Israel of God, believing Jews and believing Gentiles. So he's bringing order and purpose and blessing into the church through various offices and functions. And we've noticed in the previous series on the fivefold ministries, right? That previous series that Messiah has given to the church five different ecclesiastical offices that intersect and overlap with one another. 
And these offices are designed to help the church become stable and healthy and self-replicating. And today we're going to focus on how the fivefold ministry gets established in a local congregation and in turn brings order and blessing. Now keep in mind that these offices, these fivefold ascension offices, they are purposed by God to equip the believer, that's you and me, to do the work of God. We are called to do the work of God. You and I commissioned together to do the work of God. And what is the work of God? That people would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That is the work of God, right? Boil it down, that's it. So that work of God is given to us corporately in the form of a threefold commission, Matthew 28. We're called to share the good news of Messiah and his kingdom. That's the first aspect. The second one is baptize the newbies. We did some baptisms last week. It was so fun, so exciting. And in fact, uh, Kendra and Asher, we have your certificates as well, so don't leave without getting those. And then also, after baptizing the newbies, what do we do? We bring them together into the local community to teach them the Torah. And, and then they get to discover who they are and how they kind of fit in with their gifting and what they're going to join in terms of the congregation in doing to advance the kingdom of Messiah in fulfilling these three aspects of the commission. So everyone gets to join in, everyone gets to work together and do their part to share the good news, baptize newbies, and teach the Torah to the redeemed. Is that exciting? That's so exciting. Okay. Where do we often part? Where, where, you know, in the body of Messiah, where do we often depart? One, two, or three. You can keep that up, I'm sorry. Slide number 71, yeah. Yeah, number three. I mean, in the body of Messiah, we have this widespread, beautiful unity on who Jesus is. The Son of God, the Messiah, right? Emmanuel, God with us, the Redeemer. We just like, we have such a connection that brings us all together, right? That's the central highest truth. And then in baptism, again, united together. In, uh, in this aspect of immersing newbies as disciples of the Messiah. Where we part is teaching them Torah. Because the church is really confused. People are really confused. The Torah has been done away with. You know, freedom is freedom from the Torah, not sin. It's so crazy out there. I, you know, I was talking to, and I have the opportunity to, to talk with Messianic leaders all the time. And Messianic Jewish leaders in particular. And it's interesting that even the Messianic Jewish leaders, uh, some of them seem to be very confused on this issue. I was talking with one uh, recently, and we were talking about the Messiah, how we're one in Messiah, and how the Jew and the Gentile are on equal footing because of the cross, and we're all adopted into the same family. You know, it's the household of God, one household, right? It's not two houses, it's one house. Okay, I do believe in two houses, like Norm Franz. God's house and the outhouse, and you're in one or the other. So, you know, good news is if you're in the outhouse, you can come into God's house through faith in Messiah, right? So, so he, here, here's the, the bigger deal. We're, we're all in the same household, Jew and Gentile, the household of God through faith in Messiah. And so this person tells me, uh, yeah, and for the Gentile, they can do the Torah if they want to do the Torah. And if they don't want to do the law, they don't have to do the law. And I said, yeah, 
So we can cheat on our wives. We can steal. We can steal. You know, we, we can do just, just about anything and everything. Worship false gods. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Oh, then we're supposed to keep the law? Well, I'm not saying. I said, what are you saying? I mean, the person was so confused, as usual, right? Here's what we know. There is one Lord, one faith, one God, one spirit, one people, and one law for all of God's household. That's right. How many people have been adopted? I'm adopted too. Yeah. Guess what? Those natural kids in that family, you know what? Sometimes they look down on the adopted kids. But in the household of God, there are no natural children. The Jewish people are adopted too. They were once not a people. They were once goy, Gentiles. But through a covenant that became God's people, God's children in his household. We get adopted later on and brought into that household. So I'd like to tell my Jewish brothers and sisters all the time, guess what? I'm here now. Scoot over. And don't look down at me because you were adopted too. Bam, mic drop, right? Okay, so anyway, we're going to show the good news of the Messiah. We're going to baptize newbies and we're going to teach them Torah, whether they're a Jew or a Gentile, because everyone's in the household of faith. And our king only has one kingdom and one law for his subjects. And that's the Torah. It's written on our hearts. Now, fivefold gifts, as we stated, they are people whom Yeshua calls to serve his local congregations. Ephesians 4, verse 8, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave what to men? He gave gifts to men. Okay, these people are gifts to the body. Ephesians 4, 9 through 10. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also descended into the lower, lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens so that he might fill all things. And then verse 11. And he gave, these are the gifts that are referred to in verse 8. He gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are people that he has given to the body to equip them. In fact, it goes on to say, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Messiah, until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Five fold offices, gifts, people that come to help us to do the work of the kingdom. So here's some questions, obvious questions. How do we know who is who in the local congregation? How do we know who is who? Number two, do the fivefold ministry leaders know who they are? Number three, do they appoint themselves and introduce themselves as such to the congregation? Number four, are they accountable to anyone in the local community? Those are big questions, right? So let's, let's break this down and answer these questions. Number one, how do we know who is who in the local congregation? We know who is who already. We, are, we know who they are because those who are already in power, those who already have authority in the community, are the ones that recognize, commission, and appoint new ones to these offices. That's how we know. We do that through licensure, and or ordinations 
and they're always formal and public so that everyone knows who is who in the body of Messiah in a local community. So the next question is, is do the fivefold ministry leaders know who they are? Yes. Generally speaking, to some degree, they already know who they are. I knew I was called to a fivefold office when I was in fifth grade. I had my epiphany in catechism class in the fifth grade. I knew as early as the fifth grade, I was called to be a priest and serve God full time. It was in a Catholic context that I understood that. The calling was clearer. I had to interpret that in the only grid I had, and that was Catholicism. So by, by fifth grade, I knew I was going to be a priest. Now, a lot of water would pass from that time forward, right? By my high school year, or by my high school senior year, I actually started to look into becoming a Catholic priest. I started my journey of seminary to, to become a Catholic priest. By my early 20s, and as you know, that did not happen. Thanks to Dawn. Blame her, okay? I could not take the vow of celibacy. Once I met her, I knew I didn't have the gift. Now, by my early 20s, I knew I was called to lead a Messianic congregation. But it was not until I was ordained in and by my community leaders that I actualized my call. What God had called me to would not be actualized until the leaders would recognize it and then appoint me, anoint me, and release me into that office. Third question, do they appoint themselves and introduce themselves to such congregants? Some do. Some do. And that is fraught with problems and risks. Let me tell you about the harvest pastor that nobody knew. So we had, uh, uh, quite a while ago, we had a person here who uh, thought of himself as a pastor. And he prayed for people on his own. He took them aside. He gave them words. He gave some counseling. He just did all kinds of stuff. And that was always, always behind the scenes, out in the parking lot, in the back. He'd even use classrooms and take people back there and close doors. And I'm thinking, what's going on? We started talking about this, the elders. And, you know, we said, ah, this isn't looking right, but we got to kind of figure out what's going on. We let it run for a while. And so finally, we had a big meeting down in our office, and uh, I was with another pastor on staff and uh, brought this person in and started to talk to them and explain to them that uh, we don't think it's the best idea to be taking people to the side and, and closing doors, and we don't exactly know what's going on or what you're saying, and we just have some, some concerns. And the person says, well, I'm a pastor of the harvest. So we looked at each other and we're like, what? You know, and so I said, well, what do you mean you're a pastor of the harvest? He said, well, I'm called to be a pastor of the harvest. And God has set me in this community to pastor. And I said, really? And he says, yeah, I'm a pastor of the harvest just like you are a pastor of the harvest and this person's a pastor of the harvest. So again, we're looking at each other like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? I mean, he, he's convinced he's a pastor of the harvest. Now, Now, you know, I beg to differ, and because, because you know, and, and the reason I beg to differ is because the elders had not recognized him as such. He hadn't been through any training. He's not accountable to anyone. 
So, so, and, and without that appointment, I'm sorry, you're not a pastor of the harvest. And so once we explained that, there was a big, big blowout. It was, it was, let, and let me tell you, I don't want to give away who, who it was because some of you might know who, who it is, but without, without giving it away, this person, if he wanted to, could take care of business. I mean, he could, he could get some things done, right? So he gets up and he's rifling through his backpack because he's upset. And I'm in, I'm in the office and we made the classic mistake of putting the person that we're going to talk to between us and the only exit in the room. So all of a sudden this person's rifling through his backpack and me and the other pastor are like, oh no, you know. Are we going to get out? I mean, you read about in the headlines from time to time about how pastors are shot in the pulpit or in their office or whatever. And I'm thinking, man, I think we might be the next headline, right? So, but suffice it to say, he wasn't going to do anything like that. Thank God. But he was upset and he was looking for something and, and whatever it was, he finally found and jumped up and grabbed his backpack and blew out. Very upset, very angry, very upset. Uh, but that was that. Um, so yeah. There are people that appoint themselves, call themselves by these titles and run around with no recognition, no licensure, no ordination, no affirmation, and no accountability. Yeah, sometimes people do that. But in a local community, everyone's going to know who's who because of the elders appointing people publicly to the places of service within the community. God is a God of order. He's a God of rule. He's given us a model for qualifying, selecting, commissioning, and appointing people to the fivefold offices. So the final question is, is, are these ministry leaders accountable to anyone in the congregation? Yes, they are accountable to the authorities who appointed them in the first place. And these same authorities can discipline them and even remove them from their offices for a variety of good reasons. No one gets any authority that isn't also made accountable for how they use that authority because we want to minimize people abusing their authority. So we have ways to minimize that. So what are some of the, the core components of commissioning and appointing a person to a five-fold office? Thanks for asking. So number one, these are the core, some of the core components. Qualification, slide 77. Qualification, selection, appointment, and accountability. Let me give you an example. Numbers chapter 27. This is uh, about commissioning and setting people into office. Numbers 27, 15 to 23. Then Moses spoke to the Lord saying, May the Lord, the God of all, I'm sorry, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who will go out and come in before them, who will lead them out and bring them in so that the congregation of the Lord will not be like sheep which have no shepherd. Who's going to lead Israel? Do we just let people rise up and determine for themselves that they're going to lead? Wouldn't that produce multiple leaders that are saying, I'm the leader, I'm the leader, I'll lead, I'll shepherd, right? Who's going to do this, Lord? In other words, someone has to appoint someone to do this. Many good men, but only one would be picked. And we know that God selected Joshua in this instance, and Joshua was certainly qualified. 
Numbers 27, 18 through 19 goes on to say, So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit. So this is one of the qualifications. It has to be a man that's mature and full of the Spirit of God, full of the wisdom of God, full of the knowledge of God, has a relationship with God. He goes on to say, And lay your hand on him, and have him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and before all the congregation, and commission him in their sight. A public ceremony with ritual, prayer, laying on of hands, so that everyone knows Joshua is going to be the man that takes Moses' place. goes on to say in verse 20, And you shall put some of your authority on him in order that the congregation of the sons of Israel may obey him. You're going to transfer some of your authority by the laying on of hands to Joshua so that he can lead in your stead. That happens through the laying on of hands. That's part of the ritual. When you sinned, you brought your, your lamb to the temple. You laid your hands on the lamb. You, you confessed your sins and imparted to the lamb your sins via the laying of your hands on the head of the lamb when you confessed your sins. And those sins are transferred to the lamb. The lamb's life is taken as an atonement for your sins. Transference. That's how it happens. Through the laying on of hands. 22 and 23, Moses did just as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua, set him before Eliezer the priest, and before all the congregation. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. So this is where we get this concept of commissioning and appointment, the laying on of hands, the transference of authority, so that other leaders can lead and have the following of the people. Now, the apostles also commission and appoint elders to govern the local churches. These local churches are springing up everywhere. They're planting and birthing new works of God. New congregations are springing up. And then the apostles actually establish elders through the laying on of hands to govern those local communities so that those communities can be places of blessing, places where they're safe because there's accountability in terms of the leadership. So in Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 23, let me just read this. After they had preached, this is, I believe, Paul and Barnabas, two apostles. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Acts 14 and verse 23. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Notice this. Leave the slide up for a moment. When they had appointed elders for them in every church. So the church planters, those apostolic prophetic teams are out there, you know, sharing the gospel. People are getting saved and they're beginning to meet. And in those new meeting places, the apostles then establish elders to govern those places. Men filled with the spirit that were qualified to oversee these new congregations so that there would be order within the community and safety within the community so people could grow in the, in the Lord and reach out and touch the lives of others around them. It needed eldership. 
they had to establish elders in order to establish the churches. Eldership is vital for any local community to thrive and to grow, to be a place that's safe and full of life. That's why we have to have elders in local communities. It brings order. It brings blessing. This is the design of God. So he says, go, appoint elders in every church. Now, in every church, there'd be probably more than one candidate, several good men, right, that were qualified already, but not everyone would become an elder. They had to go through a selection process, and then through that selection process, choose one that they would lay hands on so that everyone in that community would know this is the established delegated authority for our community. Now, those elders would remain accountable to those who had appointed them elders. They're going to be elders over churches. We'll see later that there's actually elders in the city, citywide elders, who help the local elders in the local churches when they, when they had problems that were above their pay grade, so to speak. So you have different layers of authority. We see that in, in, in our reading today. We see that in Deuteronomy 18. This is that structure of hierarchy of order within the kingdom of God. We see it everywhere else. It's part and parcel with the created order. Now, note the change, the shift here. The Apostle Paul tells Pastor Timothy to appoint elders in every city. That's a little bit of a shift. Timothy's not an apostle. And now we have an apostle telling a non-apostle, I want you to do this work and carry it on. So the Apostle Paul takes a young pastor, Pastor Timothy, and says, Pastor Timothy, here's what I want you to do. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you would set in order. Notice that's idea of ordering. Yeah, that's how God brings purpose into whatever it is that he orders in order that blessing would flow. That you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city, in every city, not every church, every city, as I've directed you. So Paul's work and his missionary trips and all the churches that were becoming established and had, had elders in, now Timothy is following up at the direction of Paul to now set into order citywide elders to help govern the growth of the kingdom of heaven in those locales. Order is the design of God. Again, we see this in Genesis. Creation itself comes into existence, and then God orders it and purposes it so that blessing can follow. Local churches are not fully established until elders are appointed and commissioned. Even house churches have to have elders. If people are involved in a house church, that's great. You want to make sure that you have a, an elder in that house, though. An elder who's accountable to others for whatever goes on in that household church. Because without it, you're at risk for abuse. We've seen it over and over and over. This is why we're so big on making sure there is elders in local communities, even house churches. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 22. 
coming on the heels of the qualifications of elders. Timothy is told, or in 1 Timothy 5.22 it says, do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. The context of this, pas- this passage has to do with eldering, by the way. What, what, what communities are, are instructed is, don't just lay hands on anyone. Make sure you're not, you know, appointing someone as an elder that's not qualified because they're going to be empowered. They're going to have authority and people because you did that publicly will follow them. And if they're not ready and up to no good, they're going to hurt a lot of people. They're going to lead people astray. And guess what? You're going to be held accountable because you laid your hands on them. You set them into office. You then are held responsible for what happens. So along with authority comes responsibility. Along with responsibility comes accountability. And God loves his people. He will not allow his shepherds to abuse the sheep. That's a big deal. So accountability. I think, I think what we're going to do for, for time's sake is we're going we're gonna to address this probably in a future teaching. Um, how we keep elders accountable. But suffice it to say, all authorities, all authorities are also under authorities. There is no authority that isn't under authority. Okay, anyone that's in authority, but they don't answer to anyone, run, Forrest, run, right? Get out of there. Keep running and don't look back. All authority is that's in authority is also under authority. Make sure your authorities are also accountable to other authorities. That creates safety within the community. It doesn't, it does, what it does is it minimizes greatly uh, the chances of abuse within a community. It does, doesn't mean abuse doesn't happen. It's just that it's greatly minimized. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll you know, be able to address this a little while later. But what I want to do is transition now and um, talk a little bit about Donna Ware and why we are licensing her today. And, and um, our board of directors have the authority to license and ordain. They are our delegated authorities in our community. They are elder qualified. We use the term board of directors for the state of Colorado and the federal government because that's a 501c3. But that board of director is just code for elder. That's why they are elder qualified. So we have our elders in our community that are participating in this and they will transfer some of their authority to Miss Donna Ware today as she steps up and into one of these five-fold offices. And we're excited about Donna because we, we have been with her for many, many years. She's been a faithful, committed member to the harvest, to our community, to our families for many, many years. She has served faithfully. She has come through the, the, uh, the Council of the Prophets, the training, all that we've done for many, many years. She has been faithful. She has stayed the course. And we are excited today to say you have accomplished everything that we've set before you, proven yourself faithful, and now today we're going to recognize what God is doing in you by bringing you into this particular office 
and giving you the, the authority to share with the other licensed and ordained ministers to help govern our community in relationship to the, the gospel and discipleship. So we're super excited about that. So I'm going to ask the uh, uh, three elders to come forward at this time, our board of directors to come forward at this time, and we will transition to our ceremony. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today to witness uh, this great uh, increase within our community. Yeshua, Jesus said that the Sabbath or Shabbat was made for man, for the people of God. And so is the Ecclesia, the church. The Ecclesia is a support system. And in that support system with the gifts, as Pastor Mark said, we have much safety and possibility for growth in his love and kingdom. And we wish to uh, take a moment and uh, present Donna Ware and in this capacity. So we thank you, Lord, for your blessings. As we go through our lives, we realize more and more how good you are. Amen. God calls his people to follow the Messiah and forms us into a royal priesthood, a holy nation, to declare the wonderful deeds of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Jewish and Gentile believers comprise the congregation of the Lord, which is the body of, the, of Messiah, the covenant people of God, and the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. In baptism... The body of Messiah is summoned to witness to God's love and to work for the advance of his kingdom. To serve his, this royal priesthood, God has given particular ministries. Ministers are appointed to lead God's people in various offices and in the offering of praise, the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom of God and in its advance. They share with the senior pastor and ordained staff in the oversight of the church, delighting in its beauty, rejoicing in its well-being. They are to set the example of the good shepherd always before them as the pattern of their calling. With the senior pastor and their fellow ministers, they are to sustain the community of the faithful by the ministry of the word and ordinances, that we all may grow into the fullness of Messiah and be a living sacrifice acceptable to God. Senior Pastor Mark McClellan, in Messiah, I present Miss Donna Ware to be licensed to the minister of the Ecclesia of the Lord. She is to serve in the local congregation of Kilatina, the harvest. Her appointment shall be in the office of the prophets. Have the elders of the board of directors whose duty it is to know Miss Donna Ware and examine her found her to be of godly life and sound learning. We have. 
Do you believe her to be duly called to serve God in this ministry? Miss Donna Ware, do you believe God is calling you to this ministry? I do so believe. Let us pray. God, our Father, Lord of all the world, through your Son, you have called us into fellowship of your universal church, which began long ago with Moses in the wilderness. Hear our prayer for your faithful people, that their vocation and ministry each may be an instrument of your love, and give to your servant now to be licensed the needful gifts of grace through our Lord and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, and say, Amen. Ministers are called to be servants and shepherds among the people whom they are sent. With their senior pastor and fellow ministers, they are to proclaim the word of the Lord and to watch for the signs of God's new creation. They are to be messengers, watchmen, and stewards of the Lord. They are to teach and to admonish, to feed and provide for his family, to search for his children in the wilderness of this world's temptations, and to guide them through its confusions, that they may be saved through Messiah forever. Formed by the word, they are called or they are to call hearers to repentance to declare in Messiah's name the absolution and forgiveness of their sins. With all God's people, they are to tell the story of God's love. They are to baptize new disciples in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to walk with them in the Torah as interpreted by Yeshua and his apostles, maturing, or nurturing them in the faith. They are to unfold the scriptures, to preach the word in season and out of season, and to declare the mighty acts of God. They are to preside at the Lord's table in all the festivals and lead his people in worship, offering with them a spiritual sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. They are to bless the people of God's holy name. They are to resist evil, support the weak, defend the poor, and intercede for all in need. They are to minister to the sick, prepare the dying for their death, Guided by the Holy Spirit, they are to discern and foster the gifts of all God's people, that the whole congregation may be built up in the unity and in faith. Miss Donna Ware, we trust that long ago you began to weigh and ponder all of this and that you were fully determined by the grace of God to devote yourself wholly to his service so that you daily follow the rule and teaching of Yeshua the Messiah and grown his likeness, that God may sanctify the lives of all with whom you have to do. And now, in order that we may know your mind and purpose, you must make these declarations we put to you. Miss Donna Ware, do you accept all of the Holy Scriptures as revealing all things necessary for eternal salvation through faith in Yeshua the Messiah? Will you be diligent in prayer, in reading the Holy Scripture, in all studies that will deepen your faith and fit you to bear witness to the truth of the gospel of the kingdom of God? By the help of God, I will. Will you help lead Messiah's people in proclaiming his glorious gospel so that the good news of salvation may be heard in every place? 
Will you faithfully minister the doctrine and sacraments of Messiah as Messianic Israel has received them so that the people committed to your charge may be defended against error and flourish in the faith? By the help of God, I will. Will you, knowing yourself to be reconciled to God and Messiah, strive to be an instrument of God's peace in the Lord's congregation and in the world? Will you endeavor to fashion your own life and that of your household according to the way of Messiah, that you may be a pattern and example to Messiah's people? By the help of God, I will. Will you work with your fellow ministers in the gospel for the sake of the kingdom of God? By the help of God, I will. Will you accept and minister the discipline of this congregation, respect authority duly exercised within it? And will you then, in the strength of the Holy Spirit, continually stir up the gift of God that is in you to make Messiah and his ways known among all whom you serve? By the help of God, I will. I'm at the congregation stand. Brothers and sisters, you have heard how great is the charge that this candidate is ready to undertake. And you have heard her declarations. Will you continually pray, uphold, and encourage her in her calling? Please remain standing. In the name of Yeshua, King of kings and Lord of lords, we bid you remember the greatness of the trust that is committed to the charge of all his ministers. Remember always with thanksgiving that the treasure that now is now to be entrusted to you as one of his ministers is Messiah's own flock, bought by the shedding of his blood on the cross. It is to him that you will render an account for your co-stewardship of his people. You cannot bear the weight of this calling in your own strength, but only by the grace and power of God, along with the support of those already licensed and ordained in one of the five-fold ascension offices, Pray daily, therefore, for the favor and unity of your colleagues in ministry as you join them in the building up of the congregation of Yeshua, the Messiah, in this place. Pray earnestly and regularly for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We praise and glorify you, Almighty Father, because in your infinite love you have formed throughout the world Israel, a holy people for your own possession, a royal priesthood, a universal congregation of Jewish and Gentile believers. We praise and glorify you because you have given us your only son, Yeshua the Messiah, the image of your eternal and invisible glory, the firstborn of all creation and head of the Lord's congregation. We praise and glorify you that by his death he has overcome death and that having ascended into heaven he has given gifts abundantly to equip your holy people for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Messiah. And now we give you thanks that you have called this your servant, whom we recognize, license, and appoint in your name to share as a licensed minister in the ministry of the gospel of the kingdom of Yeshua the Messiah, the apostle, the high priest of our faith, and shepherd of our souls. Therefore, Father, through Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. Father, we ask in Yeshua's name that you send down the Holy Spirit on your servant, Miss Donna Ware, for the formal work of a minister in this holy congregation, 
through your spirit, Heavenly Father, give this your servant grace and power to proclaim the gospel of your kingdom and minister the ordinances of your covenants. Renew her in holiness. Give her wisdom and discipline to work faithfully with those committed to their charge. In union with her fellow ministers and leaders in Messiah, may she work to reconcile what is divided, heal what is wounded, and restore what is lost. May she declare your blessings to your people. May she proclaim Messiah's victory over the powers of darkness and absolve in Messiah's name those who turn to him in faith. May she teach her people the Torah as a new way of living. So shall a people be made whole in Messiah. So shall they offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to you, our God and Father, to whom with your Son and the Holy Spirit belong glory and honor, worship and praise, now and forevermore. Amen. So, Ms. Donna Ware, we are going to give you this Bible. It is leather-bound, engraved. It has some things on it that are for you and uh, will be a reminder of this high calling that God has given you today. And so with this, receive this sacred book as a sign of the authority which God has given you this day to assist the senior pastor, the ordained staff pastors, as a licensed minister appointed to the office of the prophets in the work of the gospel of the kingdom of God. God was in Messiah reconciling himself to the world and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We welcome you, Miss Donna Ware. As an ambassador for Messiah, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. We are so excited. This is a, a day that marks really kind of a, a new jump forward as a community as we extend to one of our own, this place of privilege and honor, this place of authority, this place of service. And so we are truly indebted to our Lord and Savior who has gifted our community in so many different ways. We have such great and strong leaders as a community, and I believe we are positioned as a result for service and for growth when, within our community. So I want to thank each and every one of you today for, for what you're called to do and for your place of service in this community. We are one in Messiah. We will serve one another faithfully. We will love one another. We will fight for the unity of the Spirit of God in this place. And we will reach out to others outside of our doors who are lost and alienated and confused. And together, working together, we will bring a host into the kingdom of God for the glory of Yeshua the Messiah. That is who we are. May God bless the harvest and may we grow and be used by him to reach a lost and dying world for his son, our savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.